guys and welcome back to another episode of the Blue Crew podcast. Uh, we're joined once again by another special guest and today we really are so thankful for this guest. He's one of the biggest names on football Twitter and he thoroughly helps Chelsea really dominate football Twitter in general. Um, he's been on the Byline podcast so many times that I literally probably can't even keep count. And if you want a juicy opinion on something Chelsea or football related, this is probably the man to go to. Thank you so much for joining us, Matisse. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, sorry I'm late. Um, it's a pleasure to be on. You know, um, I always say that I like to come on loads of different types of podcasts. I've never been on this one, so it's um, my pleasure, honestly. And, and and like you were saying with the byline, I was actually late to that one time as well. Um, woke up completely late. I was just absolutely hammered, and um, Alex was Alex was just there waiting. So I've been I've been worse. <laughs> what, what was Alex actually like when you were late for that? Um, no, he was actually fine. I remember it was the, it was the podcast I was doing with um, Con um, Football Chelsea, and um, I'm not sure if there was another name in there as well. It was one of the roundtables. I think that was it. Um, just us, and and they was all ready to go. And and I woke up at like um, it must have been like 40 minutes after we was gonna start. I was absolutely hammered because I was I was doing a lot that week in terms of video um, creating for Blues Fans TV, talk sport on radio, and loads of stuff, and then. I just overslept and um, he was fine with it, but it was a bit embarrassing for me. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, obviously, today we've also got co-host Luca on as usual. How are you doing, Luca? How's lockdown treated you for the last week? All right. Still the same as always, really, isn't it? Just getting out, bike rides, assignment work, FIFA, sleep, repeat. That's literally it. <laughs> but yeah, apart from that, it's been all right. Not, not too bad, yeah. I mean, we were talking about lockdown just before we came on. Obviously, with you, Matisse, like, how are you finding producing content for Twitter during lockdown? Is it harder, easier, more stressful? Um, some days are definitely better than others. I try not to bog myself um, too much with it and just try and be natural. Um, I think what I've learned as well is some people, they'll jump the gun because they really are, like, struggling and they're trying to make sure that they tweet regularly for whatever reasons, whether it's to grow or whether they just want to interact as well, which I obviously want to do both. Um, but something is Chelsea. Something always happens. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's good or bad, something at this club always seems to happen. There's always something going on. So I would always say, yeah, it's, it can be stressful at times. It can be a little bit like, oh, I can't be bothered because you can see a lot of people around you are getting a little bit argumentative just because they're bored. Um, but I just remain patient because something always happens at Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you sort of touched on something there. I was going to ask about sort of people trying to grow followers, like. Everybody wants to be in your position, you know, 20,000 followers, you know, influential on, you know, all sorts of all sorts of Twitter. And it's taken, you know, fa you know fairly far already. How mm. do you sort of recommend going about trying to grow followers? Are you thinking try and get a tweet to bang and like feed off that or just consistently posting, being yourself, doing something different? Like, where do you draw the line? It's funny that you ask because um, it's very surreal for me because I this time last year was just a very small account. I had about a couple thousand followers, same as like a lot of people have if they if they if they have been on Twitter for a while. Um, not particularly standing out in terms of anything, you know. I, I would have obviously made videos and they got a few views, but it wasn't like how it is now. So. It's very weird for me to even be referred to as a big account or someone to even be taking advice from. But I'd say um, what my advice would be is to definitely be different. I think a lot of people try and copy others, try and be like others, try and steal other people's like 
thing and that doesn't work on Twitter. If you can find a niche, find something that you're good at, something that you're one of your hobbies, maybe outside of Twitter, whether it's editing, whether it's threads, writing, bring that to the platform, bring something different to the platform um, that people don't do. Find a new style and and you'll stand out. Um, it's 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 strange because, like I said, it's only been a year, so I'm still getting to grips with it. I'm still learning as well. Um, but yeah, the added responsibility is certainly quite interesting. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, Tom, how long have we been going podcast? How long have we been doing it since, like, I think it was October, our first episode. Yeah, it was about October. and It, to it was hard because we were thinking, yeah, ever. we were but, thinking of, like, unique ideas. Too, so we were thinking, oh, we, we'll do, like, a quiz. Yeah. When we were swapping about doing different quiz masters. We were doing transfer news. And then we decided to do the bloopers. We thought, oh, this, this, might, be, this might be something different. And it actually worked. And now we've started following loads of other accounts. And we think we've hit, like, 250 followers. Mm. which i never thought would be possible really but yeah uh, i mean i've obviously i've got a bit of experience in podcasts just from being on different sites um and i used to have my own one i've had i've had my own one twice but the the last one that i did was a lot better because it was it wasn't even based on football it was just based on um life in general um but the one thing i can say with growth is that my my path was quite natural thank god it wasn't um like plug group chats or like for like retweet for retweet follow for follow that kind of stuff is very short term it doesn't take you very far um from what what i've seen and it's just if you can do it naturally um make 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 friends on the platform so i did i made a good group chat we just no there was no plug it was literally just we just spoke got along um and yeah if you can establish yourself in the platform in that way and find a way to stand out and you're you're pretty much good and that's that kind of goes for all social media um all like all different types of content podcasts videos um what have you yeah i mean we had um elizabeth on last week sure you know from sw6 and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and her videos and she said that she sort of grew out of pretty much nothing just from a video at the chelsea arsenal game at uh, the mm. two game and she just woke up the next day and it had you know <laughs> you know that, you know thousands of views and all of a sudden you got people flocking in like do you remember a tweet or a time when all of a sudden things just kicked you know maybe slightly more than usual yeah yeah i i know where she's coming from um my video would have been last year after the carabao cup final when kepa refused to come off um now granted I, i'd already been used to making videos because i like i've been on i was on youtube making videos cringy ones um and i'd done a few things for a few a few people in terms of video creating so i was i was already confident on camera which is which is very important but i'd never actually gone and made a video for twitter um and obviously alex goldberg kicked that off like he was by far i think from my knowledge the first person for chelsea to do it and do it well um so he definitely kicked off that that train and now you see loads of people making videos and mine with Kepa was obviously quite a heated one because I was very angry that he didn't come off the pitch um and I try not to rant because I prefer to give opinions or do comedy skits one or the other um I only want to rant when it's necessary because I feel like if you overdo it people will not take you seriously when you've actually got something to proper rant about but I was proper pissed with him because I was a big um believer of sorry big believer of what he was trying to do kind of felt sorry for him that he was kind of handicapped with not only the, the squad quality but also the fans match going fans being on his back and just it was just such a tough time and for him to not come off the pitch um disobeying instruction 
it just it just it pissed me off so much and i made a video and bang next thing you know it's on 15,000 views and you're you've signed up for a lot <laughs> i was going to ask um what with this speculation with with kepper do you think do you think it's it's deserved the stick that he's getting because i know that throughout the like the first i don't know was it half season he was doing all right and then his form kind of dipped and he was replaced by willie caballero for a couple of games and he came back in had some good performances but people were still giving him this stick that I'd, i don't know where it's coming from but people are like, oh he's not good enough he's not he might not be worth 72 million or whatever we paid for him but do you think yeah. it's deserved this stick that he's getting and that he's being linked with moves away and that he might be second fiddle to someone like anan or someone like that um i think i think the hate that he gets um in terms of abuse verbal abuse is unjust as it is with every player people take it too far. I think criticism, constructive criticism is fine. Um, his season is more than up for question. I've certainly questioned it, still questioned it. Um, I think he's underperformed compared to last year. There's a many factors to that as well that a lot of people don't mention. Obviously, the goalkeeping coach situation, the fact that Frank's tactically, defensively is not as strong as Sarri was. Um, but a lot of it is down to Kepa's ability um, and his flaws in his game. But for me, I, I question all of the defenders because defensively we've been poor. So I don't just question Kepa, I question them all equally. So I think I think it, all of the criticism that come, that's come his way is fair. He's cost us a lot of money, whether it was down to him. Obviously, it wasn't. Um, the wage that he's on, not down to him, but he's on that wage. He's on a seven-year contract. Of course, he should be up for question. It's all about value for money at the end of the day. And if you're not meeting your your price tag what we're invested in you what you're costing us year on year com in comparison to other goalkeepers in the league then you have to be questioned chelsea football club i think moving forward with kepper it makes absolutely no sense i don't think like you can't sell him now because you, you make no money back on him you lose a lot of money and i just think when you look at the chelsea squad as you're talking about the defense there's places in the squad that need reinforcing so much more than the goalkeeper mm. um like you improve that defense i think kepper improves um more than i think bringing a you know a goal another goalkeeper the defense improves i think i think it probably works more the other way around um but if you luca touched on uh Onana there and obviously these last couple of years have been insane for his team ajax you know champions league semi-finalists Unbelievable group of players, uh, De Jong, De Ligt, uh, Tagliafico, Promes, everyone. Basically, that whole team yeah. has just come out of absolutely nowhere. One of those players is already at Chelsea for next season. Um, yeah. Hakim Ziyech, I think, so exciting. Unbelievable. Like, I'm so the, happy that he's signed for us. Uh, the, the more you sort of sit through lockdown and you watch his videos, you're just like, oh man, this guy's going to be the real deal. He's going to be a player. One of his teammates, uh, Nicholas Tagliafico, has been linked a lot heavier in the last couple of days. What are like, your thoughts on, on our left-back position? If it Chilwell, Tagliafico, Tellez, anyone? <laughs> like, like, where are you going personally? I'm definitely not interested in Chilwell. I think he's getting a lot more criticism now than he is like justified um, because he did have a very good season last season. Um, this season, he's been quite poor. I think the main issue with Chilwell is the price. Um, for value for money, he's not he's not worth that. If he was a lot cheaper, I would be okay with it. I wouldn't exactly be jumping up and down, but I would be okay because I would know that he's going to improve. He's still young, and he's going to be better than Emerson and Alonso. Um, for me, left back is our biggest issue because we don't have a left back as far as I'm concerned. Alonso 
is a left wing back. I've said this from day one. And regardless of goal threat, for me, a top team trying to challenge for anything shouldn't be relying on a left back to score goals. It's just part and parcel with the game that obviously Conte came, we played a back three, he got goals and we'd never seen it before. But for me, we're trying to play back four. It's very clear that's Frank's main formation when the team are at their strongest. Um, and our strongest team doesn't suit a back three formation for so many reasons. I don't even know if you guys even have time for me to go through them all. <laughs> so I'm so pro getting a left back. Um, and whether it's um, Tali Frigo, I don't even know if I butchered the name, but him or Tellers, <laughs> him or Tellers would be would be okay. They're not exactly um, 100% guaranteed to be successes, in my opinion. I think they could they could they could also you know they could they could have problems um i think tellers defensively there can be question marks but for me because they're both so cheap and we we just need to see something different in that position and i i honestly don't believe it can get any worse than it is um at this point yeah i was thinking i was just gonna say are you annoyed that i've seen reports the past couple of days that psg have agreed a, a 20 i think it's 20 or 25 million pound fee with porto for alex tellers i'm yeah. thinking like two, one, two months ago, we were, I'm pretty sure we were in pole position to sign this man. And he was literally, he was the perfect left back for us. Like for the price he is as well. Are you, anno- are you annoyed that uh, PSG have, have come in and swooped and looked like they're in pole position now over us? Because I'm, I'm really unhappy about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed, but at the same time, it's Chelsea. Like I kind of expect it. Do you know what I mean? They're not yeah, exactly the, um, they're not exactly the quickest club when it comes to doing. And and also another thing that did worry me about Tellers was that it, it looked too obvious and it looked too, um, much like a done deal. And Chelsea, especially with Hak- um, Hakim Ziyech, we didn't hear anything about him before they signed him. They just signed him. Um, there was like surprise guys, and that's it. Whereas <laughs> Tellers, it was like every week. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you just know following Chelsea all these years that it's never as easy as it looks. Um, it is disappointing because he's so cheap. It's almost um, no risk whatsoever to the point where it's almost laughable that he's going for 25 million to to, to PSG. And you know how good he is going forward. Um, it's, 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 it's definitely annoying, but it's Chelsea. I, I kind of expect it. I just hope that the alternative is not splashing out 70 60 million on the chill world because that's when I, that's when i'm going to be pissed off not not right now but if that happens then yeah i'll be pissed off yeah. i mean the thing like as you say with, with tell is like you don't not often in the transfer market anymore can you pick up really good bargains for world-class sort of players yeah like someone psg to be interested in him we just think surely there must be another team out there you know man united don't really have a left back arsenal don't have a left back so many teams are struggling in that position. You just think, if Tellers was that good, would other teams not be interested in him? It was a bit like the Fekir deal, you know? Everyone just sort of backed out. Obviously, that was down to injury. So you just sit and you think, is there something there that we're missing? Being yeah, it's, it's strange. There are like this strange pool of players that just don't get picked up. Um, Ziyech was one of them, funnily enough. Definitely. Ziyech is a player that's been doing very well in Holland for years on years, but... All the big clubs have stayed away from him for a lot of reasons that I was quite and still am not guaranteed on his success because he he can be um, he he definitely needs like a free role 
Um, and that's not something that Chelsea fans are obviously used to since Hazard. And Hazard is of a whole different level to Ziyech. So if you're going to give someone a free roll, much like Arsenal did to Ozil, they better deliver. Yeah. So it kind of gives Ziyech a little bit more license to he has to affect the game or he's, he's not doing his job. It's not a, it's not a player that can that can um, that can afford not to affect the game, especially his age. So a lot of big clubs avoided him. Um, and it's the same with so many others. You've got quite a few players in Portugal that just seem to get just missed. But I mean, I don't ever use that as a reason to not go after someone. I think that's other clubs transfer strategy and ours is not really something to be correlating, I think. No, I do, do agree with you there. There's Chelsea seem maybe to be a bit more scared of going into the French league after sort of the mistakes we've made with Batshuayi and whatever. So maybe moving moving to like Moving to Holland is, is something they're looking at. You know, lots of young talent has come from there. But you see with players like, um, I was the guy that Man United, Depay, you know, players like that that, that have been brought for big money and just n- never really made it. Mm. Uh, Chelsea are probably looking to be a lot more assured in their money and buying players that they know are entering their prime or sort of in their prime. Yeah. There's also so many other factors that nobody brings in, like upbringing, you know, attitudes, um, application. These are things that you can't teach, really, to be honest. Um, you're seeing with a lot of our youngsters, Mason Mount, Reese James, Tammy Abraham, they all have ridiculously elite application to the game. Um, they train hard. They don't cause you any issues. And that's something that we need to think about when we're talking about a young manager like Frank Lampard, who could really easily be undermined he's not already got the track record trophy wise as a manager to really be having you know wild bust ups in the changing room he doesn't have the experience as a manager he's only this is only a second year of management the last thing he needs is your Depayas, your Balotelli's your Dembele's at Barcelona another player we've been linked to that nobody seems to be taking into account any of the things that surround this player and why he might be available for literally the biggest drop-off um, in football in terms of transfer fee and loss because they just want to see 85 rated FIFA fully fit Dembele at, at right wing when really the situation stands is that he's never fit he's injured right now and <laughs> the attitude stinks as far as I'm concerned he misses tra- who misses training to play with Leo to, to, who misses training and doesn't want to play with Leo Messi I, I don't understand that if he doesn't want to play with Leo Messi um, and he's he misses not- training then <laughs> I don't know to how he's going to feel wanting to play with you know some of some of our players. It's just not want to play it's with just bad. <laughs> no, I was just, I was going to ask about Dembele. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I mean, thirty-seven million. That that just screams no. Just get away. That like that's ridiculous. I don't know how true the thirty-seven million thing is, but I don't care. Stay away from that kid. Like, I don't think Barcelona will take that. A lot of people are saying Barcelona are trying to raise funds. There's there's raising funds and then there's having a car boot sale and selling, you know, a Gucci watch for one pound. Like, you don't do that. So no, I it's, it's I really not. do feel like they are they are not going to sell him for that price. It'll probably be at least double because um, that's too much of a loss. I don't even know how an accountant even finances that. But it's it's... Even if he was available at that price, that really should just send alarm bells ringing. I mean, a lot of people are saying, yeah, for the ability, but we signed Torres after he was injured. We've signed Barkley. We've signed Emerson with injury issues. We've got injury players, injury prone players. Well, not even, you can maybe not say injury prone, but certainly looking potentially to have problems with injuries like Hassan Adoy after that big one. Pulisic has got a little bit of an injury record. Loftus-Cheek. 
I'm just wondering if people want to field an 11 or they want to have a nice group of players that look great but can't actually get onto the field because, you know, you can buy Alphysia a, a best friend if if you wish, but I would prefer to have a winger who actually plays football. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, this is the thing. All of a sudden, and this happens with football fans on Twitter because too many of them, well, I say too many, it sounds harsh, but a lot of people are sort of uneducated and don't have this sort of way of thinking about the long term and the real reasons. As you say, they see a name and they go, ah, he's good on FIFA, yeah. You buy Dembele, five-star, five-star, we need him, he's good. Mm. And you, you don't think, no one's actually sat there and watched Dembele. Everyone knows or his problems are public, you know, he has got yeah. these maturity issues, these injury issues. The kid's not not the same kid that transferred from Dortmund a few years ago. And oh, you have spoken about, ah, oh, young still. I don't know. It's sad, um, really, because you think he's still got time to kind of mature and recover. But I just, the way he's acting, I just, I just can't see him you just, you breaking don't want that to habit of being... See. Bit of an idiot, really. When when you a lot of people have compared him to Loftus Cheek, and I find it ridiculous because the the first problem with that is that Loftus Cheek didn't have recurring big injuries in the same part of his body. Last season's injury, as bad as it was, was actually completely unrelated to his previous ones. You know, the only reoccurring issue Loftus Cheek had when he was younger was his lower back problems because of his growth spurt. Last season's injury had nothing to do with his back. Um, it's obviously a freak accident because of the pitch we was playing on. Um, and the club, you know, have to answer to that decision in the first place of even putting him on the pitch for a game like that. Um, nonetheless, it's not the same as having back-to-back-to-back um, hamstring injuries for years, upon years, upon years. And then the second point to that is that maturity. Loftus-Cheek and Dembele, in terms of maturity, mentally coping with injuries and coming back from them, because really 50% of the injury is a mental game. You're on your own. You're trying to recover. You're not playing football. It's just you and the medical team. And you need to have a very strong mental mind and how to come back. Your diet needs to be on point. Your rehabilitation needs to be on point. You need to have a good understanding of your body. And Dembele doesn't have any of these components. All I've seen is an immature kid who wants to play games, um, misses training, doesn't have his diet on, on point. And I'm not too interested in having that aura around the likes of Hudson Odoi, around the likes of Mason Mount. There's certain players like Reese James Mount. You can probably say they're not gonna, um, they're not gonna Rock gravitate. Up. Yeah, they're not gonna gravitate to that, and they're not gonna be um, stung. But I would worry for a Hudson Odoi, hundred percent. Playing with Dembele, same dressing room. Bad influence. It's not. It's not something I'm trying to trying to see. I agree. It almost seems a little bit like that sort of Rashford, Jesse Lingard, sort of Pogba sort of thing. You know, sort of, <laughs> yeah. Sort of, I'm not not comparing them, but the sort of attitude you just think they could bring themselves down so easily. Concentration, maturity. Mm. And it when I mean Loftus Cheek and Usman Dembele. I'm so happy I've not seen those comparisons because oh, yeah, that confuses me. Loftus Cheek's a man and Dembele's yeah. a child, like you said it. And I mean, we haven't seen that sort of top level performance in a big league in the Champions League from Dembele at all. And it's just one of those things. I, I watched one of your videos, your Praise in Isolation videos um, yes. earlier in the season. And it was like, we spoke about it on the podcast. People just don't have that sort of Praise in Isolation thing. It's either one way or the other and they swing and our fan base does it all the time, swing from player to player. You see you're linked with them. And this is one of the players in the Bundesliga. He's come back an absolute storm. Kai Havertz. Mm. Oh. 
<laughs> they, and you see people going all of a sudden Havertz is better value than Sancho and you're just like wait a minute like a week ago no one was talking about Havertz and saying Sancho's 200 million the best player yeah. we've ever seen and now it's all like now nah, we need Havertz we need Havertz where do you stand on Havertz? Um, it's, it's funny Twitter um, funny place San- Sancho has been doing it at the top of the Bundesliga for years um, his stats don't lie um, one of the best young performing wingers in the world, along with Gnabry, period. Do you know what I mean? There's a reason why he commands that feed. There's a reason why everybody's interested in him. And Havertz is a very, 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 very top young talent. Um, not on the level of Sancho for me, but still a very, very good player that you know I can understand why we're interested in. Um, the longevity, though, is not there in comparison to Sancho. And doing it on the Champions League stage is also not there in comparison. That doesn't mean he's not a great player. It just means that we need to calm down a little bit with the with the comparisons because he's still got things to learn. Um, I don't know if anybody watched the Wolfsburg game. <laughs> um, I think Bayer Leverkusen got absolutely trashed in that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, they, lost, they lost 4-1, I think. Yeah, so, so let's just say Prime Kaka wasn't exactly on show <laughs> that day. So... <laughs> I'm I'm seeing a lot of crap, you know, and and to be honest, I've taken you know the longer isolation goes, just take Twitter with even less, um, even more pinch of salt because I think a lot of people are doing it for attention, for um, for traction. You know, they know that they can they can um, come with the most reactionary take ever, um, and it will do well because people will bite. Um, what I've said on Havertz is that he's a very good player. The more I learn, the more I like, for sure. I think. Tactically, he's starting to look um, like someone that fits our setup more. I'm starting to understand it more. Um, and and for me, we need a striker or an attacker who can play a, a multitude of positions. I think a lot of people want a striker, as do I. But to get an out-and-out striker who's also at the top level um, and can displace Tammy if he's in bad form or give him serious competition is very unlikely to get the out-and-out option because nobody wants to sit on the bench, you look at the the Jovic versus Benzema dynamic at Real Madrid. It's not exactly worked this season. Um, what you need is is a striker who can play a multitude of positions. It's why I've liked a Bamiang because he can play wide. It's why I've liked a Lataro um, Lataro from Inter because he can play he can play off the striker. And Havertz has played up top from the Bundesliga games I've seen since lockdown. Um, sorry, since since after lockdown, and and he's looked good up front. You know, he's looked good, and and it's very encouraging that a player like him who plays up front has the experience of playing wide and midfield as well, because you know that means their link up play will be good. Um, that's just a given because they're they're used to playing in deeper positions. Um, so yeah, the more the more I see, the more I like. And if you look at the way we created chances as well this season, a lot of it came from crosses. If you add a left back who can cross. Um, consistently, like a Tellez to the other side, you're just really going to get the Liverpool effect where we spam crosses. But there's nothing wrong with that as long as we put them in the back of the net. Um, and Havertz is is a player who's very good with his heading ability. It's something that Tammy needs to improve on. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 definitely starting to warm to the idea. Obviously, everything depends on price. But he's not exactly Kaka. Um, that's the first thing. <laughs> and, and he, do you know what? <laughs> Even if his ability was Kaka, he's actually nothing like Kaka um, stylistically. He's more like Thomas Muller or someone. If you're looking at Kaka, you go to Felix or someone like that. So th- that comparison was just stupid, but I'm not going to give it any more attention because it was clearly a, 
um, a troll. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I saw some. I watched the Bayern Dortmund game. Was it yesterday? It feels so long ago. I think it yeah, was yeah. yesterday. And Bayern won one nil. I mean, Kimmich's goal was absolutely superb. And Sancho came on. Yeah, I think it was at half time, and he didn't have the best start to his what coming on as a sub but he kind of grew into the game as it went on he, he showed some really good touches on the ball and after the game they obviously lost one nil and it was like oh title's over and i went onto instagram and twitter and i saw people going really like full on to sancho like oh is he worth 200 million after that horrible performance against Bayern? and i'm thinking you're going to judge a player that's played so well this entire one game it's like the best team probably at the moment i would say the best team in europe mm. And you're going to judge him on the fact that he's just had a terrible game against Bayern. Yeah. Do you think that's right? Because that's, that's slander, in my opinion. I mean, with with Sancho, I don't think he was ever worth 200 million. Um, there's very few players I would give that value. Maybe Mbappe, um, players like that. I think I think Sancho is is definitely worth over in in the hundred plus mark. Um, what he is is quite rare. It's because it's very rare that you get goal scoring wingers. Um, that that are so young usually it takes a long time to develop the awareness in the box the anticipation of the crosses cutbacks it's not something that you find too often you look at the likes of Mane and Salah they've obviously got it but they're in their primes um so he's he's very unique um and someone that you know obviously is basically my top target because where we lack right now is goals um anyone who can bring goals to this team we're going to see the benefits very damn quickly um, with Sancho, you know, in that game, he he did have a very good impact. He came in. Um, the only the only thing that's really been disappointing with Sancho, obviously, he's been on the bench for every single game since since they've come back. Um, is is the bit he's got a little bit of a tummy on him. Um, I thought that was quite a worry. Um, I I just I just liken it to Hazard when he used to come back from his um his massive um all you can eat buffets in the summer, and um, preseason would start and he's got the biggest ass on him ever, and it's like. You're not exactly the most um, professional Ronaldo type player that I was hoping you'd be, you know, because I, I love Hazard. But do you know what I mean? He could have made he could have made it to the very, very top, um, undisputed to the top. There's those those comparisons to Mkhitaryan and Alexis Sanchez would never have happened if he just um, if he just literally was a work ethic horse. But obviously he just likes to enjoy the game. Um, it's something I respect. He's he's a freedom player. That but was funny, wasn't it? We, yeah, everyone always wanted his numbers to be up. You know, twenty goals, mm. assists. But Hazard yeah. was never that sort of player. He was, no, he never no. Sort of switched and went. I want to win the Ballon d'Or. I want to do this. I want to do that. He was just look. I'm one of the most gifted natural footballers up there. He's like Neymar. Yeah, and Neymar yeah. gets goals and assists in in France. And to be fair, he did it in Spain and he'd do it in England as well. There's there's yeah. no doubt in that. But yeah. Hazard is just sort of that sort of entertainer. I don't need to score 30 goals a season to prove that I'm good because I'm I'm enjoying it and people that like me, all the Chelsea fans loved him because he was just so good to watch. Like, yeah. He he passes the eye test. I mean, anybody who actually watches football and, and knows what they're watching, they they understand Hazard is ridiculously good. Um and, and we just have to appreciate that not every player is trying to be Messi and Ronaldo and not every player is trying to put up 60 goals um per season because not only is that not the only way to be a great player. Um, you look at your Zidane's, your um, Nedved's, just so many great players, Ronaldinho's, they didn't put up ridiculous stats every single year. Um, and it's because of these um, goal-scoring freaks that we have at the moment that everybody's lost their minds and everybody must be like that. But, you know, those two are on another level. They're, they're literally 
some of the greatest players you're ever going to see. So, um, yeah, I think we just have to cut Hazard some slack. I mean, I would have loved if he if he was just a little bit more serious sometimes because I think it would have um, had a great effect on the rest of the squad as well. Um, but that's my only issue with Sancho as well is I just hope that he is taking his career extremely seriously. I'm sure it's just a minor minor blip in his in his you know maintaining of his of his body because obviously he came back a little bit overweight but yeah he's still putting in the yards when he played um the last fixture so I, I think he'll be fine it's just it's just really people just trying to jump on his back mainly because um there's this stigma of English players being overhyped too soon and now any English player who does deserve a little bit of fair dues gets slaughtered so it's just just how it goes really no I mean Sancho's the real deal and um... You gotta remember what the kid's what he's twenty years old. Like he's yeah, he's a footballer, yeah, he's got money, he's living in Germany, he's got the attention of a nation on him. But he's twenty years old, he's only like he's less than two years older than me and Luca, you know. Mm. So he, like lockdown's hard for anybody. He's done it, he's in a different country, he's not with his family, whatever. Yeah. Yep. It's hard. It, it's absolutely hard to try and maintain that motivation for anybody, let alone a kid like that in a foreign country with the pressure of the world on him. Mm. If we do just link those two players, Havertz and Sancho, I don't know if you saw the question that Elizabeth put on Facebook, uh, sorry, Twitter, mm. it was, I think, sign Havertz in like this summer or wait until next summer and sign Sancho. What, which of those would you pick? You can only sign one. Yeah, I mean, and if we... Question will say that we aren't going to then go on in the summer after sign the other player. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, we're excluding price. It's not. It's not easy because obviously Sancho is the better player, but I'm very conscious of the fact that um, it's Frank Lampard, and I just want him to do as well as possible um, as soon as possible. I don't believe in banking years. For me, this was the free season. I don't think you get two. Um, you do have to do something, you know, fairly significant next season. I'm not saying win the league, but you need to attempt to win a cup, make sure top four is definitely secured again um, and try and make it even more comfortable and show progress in your style of play, um, your tactics and whatnot. So it's tough. It's tough. Um, Sancho... Do you know what? I'd probably go with Havertz. And the reason why is because also not obviously what I've said already is because I would like him to have a the strongest possible second season that he can have. Um, but also because I do believe a lot in the talents of Hassan Azoy and Pulisic. Um, and those two wide players are not really similar to Sancho because Sancho has the goal threat. And those two are very, you know, shy in front of goal, in my opinion. They can definitely improve in that perspective and being a little bit more ruthless but I definitely see the potential in them they have a very high ceiling and I think they have similar ceilings to Sancho I just think they're, they're not as far along maybe because of game time or, or injuries or whatnot so there's other factors so I'd say I, I'd, I'd rather bank on those two um, and and I'd get Havertz because I think Havertz solves a lot of issues that we currently have um, with the crosses coming in and, and the lack of lack of bodies in the box and the lack of headers and goal scoring midfielders um, and he can play multiple positions. You know, Sancho can can only really operate wide. I think Havertz is has got the experience out wide, but also up front and and behind the striker. So he just solves more issues for me. And yeah, I'm 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 happy with that. I, I like both players. Obviously, Sancho I'd prefer, but given the time frame, 
I, I would just bank on sorting out next season first. That's Ooh. absolutely fair enough. And I will send the question your way, Luca, because I saw your answer. But just quickly on a point, you mentioned there are wingers aren't these sort of goal-scoring wingers. They're not Mane, they're not Salah. They're not, you know, your sort of typical striker wingers that we seem to see at the moment. But I think with Pulisic, he seems to remind me of like a young Sterling. He's raw, he's pacey, he's so quick. And you just think his finishing's not brilliant. He's not, you know, you don't think he's going to take someone on the score every time he gets in the box. But he can definitely get there. I completely agree. People are looking over Pulisic and going, oh, he only scored in what, like three games this season or whatever. The kid has got so much talent. Like, he is going to be a good, good player. And it does seem that that's the sort of style of winger that we've gone for, this sort of more out-and-out wide winger like hudson and he likes to like prefer to stay out wide and then cut inside. I just think, yeah, just going to say there that, as you say, like Sancho's the goal-scoring winger, but Pulisic, I think, can become that guy, but I think he's more like Sterling. He's going to be a get in the right position to score your goals rather than create them for yourself. Mm. Although he's not going to be a tapping merchant like Sterling, you know. I'm going to be a tapping merchant when you play for Guardiola and your team is putting them on your foot for the whole game. That's ridiculous. Every goal Barcelona, Man City, and Bayern Munich have scored when Guardiola's been there, it's just like a sweat across the goal. I don't know how they do it. Mm. Like it's brilliant build-up play. I really wish we had that because we. So brilliant, it really would be. There's the, I I love a sweaty goal. That's why on FIFA I don't care. I will always sweat it because I just say, look, if I can cut you open this cleanly and sweat it, then that just goes to show how how good I am. <laughs> like, they they would do it against you know like Huddersfield and West Ham would stick fifteen men in front of the ball and it'd still get through them and find a position to tap it across the goal. And you're just like, how have you done that? Like, yeah. Whenever we play against Huddersfield with eleven men. Like we can't shoot against anything. There's just players everywhere, but they managed to find the space. Oh, it's just brilliant. Anyway, slightly off topic. Luca, yes, your answer to Elizabeth's question. Who are you going for? Havertz now or Sancho in a year? I would take. I would take Havertz now. Kind of relating to Matisse's point, he'd be perfect in that sort of way that we could like get crosses to him and he could head the ball. Because I saw his heading ability the other week. He scored, even though it was against Werder Bremen, he scored two headers that were pretty similar. And I just think. I don't think we've got a man in this team, maybe apart from Tammy, especially not a midfielder that can head the ball like Havertz. He's always in the right position. He was on, he's on the penalty spot. He's literally there unmarked. His positioning sense is fantastic. He can just get in and score a header, which is perfect for us, really. So, yeah, I think Havertz now. And also the fact that 80, if 80 million is being reported for Havertz, a player of his quality at this point, I think we should just 100% go for it. And it goes for any, any player that's got a very, very good price tag on them that's not overly expensive, like Sancho, I think we should just go in for him. So, yeah, I'd go, I'd go uh, Havertz now, purely for that extra uh, talent in terms of heading the ball. And I would say it's a bargain, 80 million, for a man of his quality at his age now. That's, that's a fair point to make. I mean, I personally would probably go with Sancho because, I don't know, I, I just think he's going to be that good. Mm. And not that I don't think Havertz is going to be that good. But I just, I'm also just don't buy this. Ah, oh, you know, people, you know, as you say, Sancho's had maybe a couple of not as good games. Havertz was almost non-existent for the first half of the season, mm. and people were talking about him staying on another year at Leverkusen. You know, do people? Is he got the attitude? Is he the right sort of player? And he comes back and hits the ground running, and all of a sudden, oh my God, Havertz has been insane. He's so good. He's better than Sancho this season. Now, come on. Across the course of a season, Sancho's been the better player, and he is the better player, and his ceiling is probably higher. 
And I just think the English connection as well, I don't know if that's selfish, mm. but to have mm. Mount, James, Tammy, like, and then Sancho as well, Hudson Adoy, all playing for England. That's sort of that's sort of like the dream picture. Frank Lampard as manager, Jody Morris on the sideline. Yeah, uh, England. It just looks I so do like it a lot. Yeah, you it paint just, a very you paint a very good picture. Um, fits, doesn't it? It just oh, it seems too good to be true. Mm. I mean, I do. I, yeah, I do want Sancho, but at the moment I'd go Havertz. I'd happily take Sancho in a year. But oh, if yeah. you ask me to pick one person, I'd go Havertz at this point. No, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely fair enough. I don't think there's a, don't think there's a there's a right or a or a wrong. Right. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, Matisse, about the. I think Tom mentioned it briefly at the start of the episode. Billie Ben Rudd, thirty million is being banded about. Do you think we should go for him, or is it too much money? Sorry, just just to get the name again from Side Ben Rama. Oh, Ben Rama. Hmm. Should we go for him? It's a, it's a strange one because it's kind of come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I always worry with those ones because. It means the club. Uh, it sometimes means the club that have actually kept it under ropes, and now they're quite far along with it. Um, from from just a few people who have been talking to me who actually know what they're talking about in terms of like legitimacy of the news. It's really just Chelsea inquiring um, and just seeing what their options are. Really, you know, it doesn't really hurt to put an inquiry and see how much he would com- command f- um, for a fee. I don't believe he's one of the top targets. Um, with the names that we've been mentioning, obviously far more experienced at the top top level. Um, but if you can't get one of those, you obviously need another option. And that's something Chelsea have been quite poor at over previous windows, you know. They haven't been able to get their top targets and then suddenly in comes Drinkwater on deadline day for 40 million. So it's better that they get a list of players that they <clears throat> that they actually think are, are good enough um, and, and they can go down the list if they have to. I... 30 million you say oh it's tough it's tough he's very talented um he's very very talented i think he's got a high ceiling as well but it's unproven isn't it because it hasn't been translated yet to uh to this level of football i think i could get behind it but i wouldn't exactly be happy if that was our only attacking signing with this current squad because i do feel like we need goals and he scores goals, but it's very difficult to know if that's going to translate to the Premier League. And what I need is a guaranteed um, goal output, output next year because because we didn't have it this year. We need a guaranteed goal output. Um, so if he was to come with someone else, fine. But if he's the only acquisition, I'm not going to be too um, impressed with with the overall situation. Not not him as an individual. I think he's going to do quite well, but. With that's all of our options, um, with Tammy and Drew up front, I do worry definitely for sure. So mm. I, I would only get him if he doesn't block um, a big move. I, I think um, the championship is becoming more of a source of good players over the last five years. I mean, Grealish and Jota, Calvin Phillips in the in the championship for Leeds is almost certainly ready to go into a good Premier League side. Yeah. Ben Rama, Pereira from West Brom. You know, the, 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 I think it is becoming a lot more reliable to Dan James at Man United. You know, he's not he's not finished. You know, he's not the finished article, but you buy him and you think, yeah, but like the, the, these are good deals mm. if you can get them for decent money. You know, people that were you know on Twitter, you see them saying, oh, you know, you can't just buy championship players for forty five million. 
people would have brought Jack Grealish last season for 45 million and be more than happy with that sort of deal. I mean, um, yeah. But... I'm not saying Ben Rama's Jack Grealish because he isn't. He probably hasn't been as good as him. I've not seen much of him mm. in all honesty. And I, I completely agree with you. You know, it's a deal that you go, yeah, all right, but you don't, you want more than that, especially from a winger, which I think we definitely still need another attacker. Mm. Completely agree with you. I, I don't think he can be the only one. Yeah, I think it's, it's weird that people have these these opinions on the championship because, like you said, it's a very technical league. Um, ben White, really good centre back, really good ball playing ability. You mentioned Phillips already, and it's weird because Tammy. James Mount, they were all in that league last year, and you would you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would say that they haven't been some of our top performers this year, and that's above most of the seniors, your Williams, your Pedros, your Batshuayis, the people that have actually cost us money, um, and they've been better. So it's very strange. It's very strange. I think a lot of people just want that glamour signing, um, regardless of whether it fits and makes sense. You know, you can see why Sancho makes sense. You've articulated it really well. So many factors. Um, but other players don't make so much sense. And it seems like most people don't really care about you protecting the ethos of the club, protecting the squad dynamics. Very important things. Changing rooms. These are all things that make, make a difference. Do you know what I mean? There's no point having a bunch of stars that hate each other in the dressing room. It's not going to work. So, yeah, I mean... The championship needs more respect because it's becoming a very, very good source of talent. Um, they're by far the best second division on the planet, not even close. There's no other country that comes close to it. Probably the most competitive league as well. Um, great managers down there. We just got our manager from down there. Leeds manager is a top manager as well. <laughs> I don't really understand the, the the disdain when people look down on it. But these are Premier League fans at the end of the day. They look down on the Bundesliga as well. So And, and the Bundesliga is just after trashing... Um, the English teams in the Champions League, they've just finished um, trashing um, Arsenal, was it last year? Um, we, we also struggled against Frankfurt last year in the Europa League. Um, so I don't know what it is about Premier League fans, but they just seem to think everything else around them is a bunch of dog crap. They think, they think like we're at the top and it's all amazing. And they look down and go, oh, that's rubbish. We've got the best quality league in the world. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny. not the case. It just yeah, it's funny. Mind. There's a lot of double standards because the Premier League um, fans, and I'm one of them, but I just don't even want to associate with them because they're so damn rude. Oh. Pre the Premier League fans is 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 funny because when it was end-to-end -end in this league and goals were flying in everywhere, it was, oh, we're the most entertaining in league in the world. You leagues are boring, nil-nil draws in Italy. Uh, you can defend, but you don't, it's not entertaining. Everybody wants to watch us. We make the most money. Now... The Bundesliga really is what the Premier League used to be. Um, now you're seeing more dull games here. You look at the Liverpool versus Tottenham Champions League game. It's probably the most boring Champions League game I've ever watched in my life. Um, and the Bundesliga is end-to-end. It's entertaining. And the people don't like that now. So it's very interesting that um, people's opinion changes now that the Bundesliga has provided all the entertainment and the Premier League isn't, really. You I mean, you look at the league this season, it's been an absolute... It's been an absolute onslaught, really, from Liverpool. Um, and that's what Premier League fans used to diss. The German, the Spanish League, Italian League, French League. Um, and some of those leagues have been more competitive than ours. German and Italian, by far, have been way more interesting. So the narrative always changes when it doesn't fit the agenda. <laughs> the I mean, one thing I think that those leagues, more, more the German League than anything else, 
it benefits from the fact that it probably doesn't get that much attention when the Premier League is on. I mean, when we played Bayern, I was not ready for how good Bayern were going to be. Mm. You look at their team and you go, wow, yeah, they're good names. But because I don't really follow the Bundesliga, you just think, how, how good are they going to be? They were insane. Unbelievable. Was, they yeah, were I, so good. They were gen- like, they were a level above anything. That I, we've I, been was, I was personally ready. I was very scared going into that game yeah. and I knew why. I mean, you, you just have to look at their team, you know. Bayern Munich are probably the most complete team in world football right now because they can play any style and oh. succeed. They can go long because Lewandowski and Müller will hold it up. They can go counter because Gnabry, Komen, um will go in behind. They've got they've got a great defence depth. You've got like Thiago Hernandez, I think, who cost them 80 mil or something coming off the bench to secure the win. It's just ridiculous. You look at their midfield, you've got Kimmich, you've got um, Thiago... You've got um, Pavard at right back with with Davis, who's come out of absolutely nowhere. That kid from from um, from Vancouver Whitecaps in America. I mean, Davis has been unbelievable. You know, you've got Alaba, who's a natural left back, covering Davis when he's out of position, and vice versa. And then you've got on the other side Kimmich, who can cover Pavard when he's out of position. It's just it's illegal, and then borderline illegal, honestly. And if they capture Leroy Sané and he gets back to full fitness, I am honestly done with the sport because they 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 they're gonna run away with everything. I I. I, I I sincerely think they will win a Champions League with that squad because they are just light years ahead, honestly. Um, you say it's complete. It's, it reminds me of this Real Madrid team from the past three years where you just think in three years' time they could have this same team and they will still be so, so strong. Yeah, yeah. Because these players are all coming into it. Alaba, a bit older, he's now got the experience. Davis, Kimmich, all of them. I mean, Muller's still around. He played the Champions League final when we thought he was good eight years ago. <laughs> Lewandowski was playing well six years ago, beating Real Madrid for Dortmund. Yeah. Ridiculous. These players are still there. They've still got the experience. And you spoke about Thiago. Man, I love him. He's, He's so good. He ran the show against us. He's it's technically it's unbelievable. It's, it's incredible to me that Barcelona ever let him go because Xavi and Iniesta were coming towards the end of their cycle and they had Fabregas, who obviously is a bit older, and they had Thiago. Um, they had two players there, and, and Thiago even more so because Fabregas was, was obviously getting sick of playing false nine. But Thiago was there and they just let him go. It made absolutely no sense to me. If you picture someone like Frankie De Jong and Thiago now, you'd, you'd, you'd absolutely you'd lose your shit. That's, that's a ridiculous oh. partnership. Um mm. The thing is with Bayern Munich is that the thing is their recruitment is ridiculous and and they have a very um, good system where they really do just take everybody from Germany um, mm. that that does anywhere near good enough they they're like yeah we'll just have him and they and they get him because they are an institution in Germany it's like Manchester United with no competitors you know Dortmund is nice um, but they don't they don't have what what Bayern Munich have on a revenue standpoint. And Dortmund are always going to be a feeder club um, to the rest of Europe. They, they can hang on to their players a bit longer. They've got fantastic recruitment. As you've seen, they've signed Hazard um, and, and a few others. Got a really good loan with um, Hakimi and, and players like that. But they will always be below Bayern Munich because of the way it's set up. So I think Bayern, their recruitment is so good that you know, they're not really going to go anywhere. Um, and you can see it already if they do get like a Leroy Sané or someone like that. I think Havertz, again, another player that suits them to the ground. I mean, if you picture replacing Thomas Müller with Havertz um, and, and even a, a Timo Werner with Lewandowski, you know, they it can be done, you know, because Timo Werner may be twerking for Liverpool um, on the on the TL, but Liverpool can't afford him, apparently, and they also don't need him. 
Um, if they're going to get him, that means Firmino is really done out here. <laughs> and I think Klopp likes Firmino a lot. And I rate Firmino quite highly. I think he's been a bit disrespected this year. He's had a poor year out in front in front of goal, but he still is a very good player. So I don't know if Tito Werner's 100% done deal to Liverpool. I don't think it is. And I think if, if Bayern managed to get their hands on a Havertz or a Tino and a Leroy to replace, you know, your Ribery's Robins that they have already, um, and Lewandowski and Muller, then we're in big trouble. <laughs> I I didn't think someone could be so like right for a solid two minutes worth of talking. Yeah, <laughs> it's just facts. I mean, I mean, don't want to stay on by minute for too long. Sane mm. basically done. He is incredible for that price <laughs> as well. He's just like Nabry again, and I mean, he's, he's I mean, he's better than Nabry. What am I talking about? He, he's mm. incredible. Yeah, if Man City would be willing to sell him, he it must be Pep Guardiola's dream sort of player. He just fits the bill. Yeah. I mean, and you look at their centre backs. You've not even mentioned Nicolas Sewell. I mean, he's oh, yeah. he's injured at the moment, but still, these sorts of players they're st- they're so good. Yeah, pick up a player like Pavard who had a breakout World Cup like him, and you just pick him up like that. And no- <laughs> I just go back on a point you were making um, about like the sort of competitiveness of leagues. Like people have been saying for the last or well, forever, basically, ah, oh, Spanish leagues just a two horse race. Well, I mean, it's a, it's not. It's a three horse race every year minimum. And you, the Bundesliga, and this year you've got three teams fighting for it. And you just think, how how many teams realistically are ever really fighting for a league? I mean, this year we've got one. Last year we had two. You have at most three, but usually it drops off to two. Why are teams bashing, people bashing other leagues, as you say, like the Bundesliga, for being dominated by one team? When, as you say, we do it in England. Man United dominated the league for three years. We've dominated the league you don't have. There aren't many times when title races go down to the final couple of games. Teams break away. Mm. Bundesliga isn't much different. It's not like the Scottish league where Celtic win it after about four games. You know, <laughs> it's not like that. The, the, the disrespect is, is unreal for stuff that we have in England all the time. Anyway, mm. I thought I had to say that because it is it's so true. What it's a weird concept because even when Leicester won it, which was a freak, um, brilliant freak. But it was it was a freak um, it was a freak season. Um, they won it not comfortably, but like by the end of it, it was kind of a formality. It didn't go to the last day. Obviously, we secured it for them um, against Tottenham. But Tottenham were, were never really showing that they were going to be serious um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, they were they were tailing off. Arsenal obviously, I think, ended up finishing second. I think, or maybe I'm not. No, I'm I'm, I'm confused. I don't know. Maybe no, they finished third. Arsenal were in it, and then they managed to screw it up as they usually do. Sorry, I've given too much credit to them. Um, so every year is kind of a two-horse race. It's always, you know, last couple of years been Liverpool, Man City, and I think the illusion of Premier League teams, obviously, be we have a lot of you know clubs that have a lot of money and splash to splash to be at the top like your Man United's, um, who have spent on Ibrahimovic and Alexis Sanchez and Pogba. And they've really gone nowhere. You know, they, you know, they've spent all this money and they haven't actually even solidified top four. It's just the illusion that we have challenges when we don't. They're not challenges for the league. They just have the money to challenge, but they can't, they can't challenge for some reason. They don't spend their money correctly. Um, well, that's Man what United- that sort of ruined, I think, the Premier League, or not not ruined, but made it so ridiculous, is that in the Premier League, you can't have a Premier League club to Premier League club transfer without bumping on nearly like 50% extra worth of value. Mm. But in Germany, because they use homegrown players and they use players from the academy all the way through the league, you don't have that sort of extra value 
for the German players and go, oh, well, this guy's played in the Bundesliga and he's proven it. We're yeah. going to charge you 50% more. That's why you can get such good deals in these other leagues, like between club to club and players bounce around in between the leagues. But mm-hmm. they know when you go to a Premier League club that you can just go, right, we'll have what their value is and then we'll double it because you're desperate and you're the Premier League and you always say you've got so much money. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, you know, Premier League players are inflated. Um, English players have a massive tax on their head as well just to meet homegrown quotas um, between clubs. It's it's the Premier League really, because they're the richest league in the world, they've shot themselves in the foot because now when you want to buy a player, you really are taxed higher. I mean, I remember so many instances where Chelsea and even a Juventus or Chelsea and Bayern are going after the same player and they've managed to get the player for cheaper than we was going to get him for. And it's, just, it's literally just Premier League tax. Um, they know we have money. They know what our figures are. It's public. So it's like... What are you going to do? You're going to get your money, right? You're going to try and get the most amount of money um, for the player. So it's just a situation that we're in. Um, I don't think, you know, I look at the leagues and I don't think Man United have any more of a chance of winning a league than RB Leipzig, do you know what I mean, winning the Bundesliga. That's how I that's how I look at it. Both, both teams are well off, um, well off the pace. And it's just the Premier League. I don't know why, but we always, it's, 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 it's a lot of media, you know. Every season at the start of the season, your Sky Sports, your your BT Sports, they'll hype it up and they'll be like the big six, the big seven. It's really not, you know, just the big two that realistically can challenge. It's not six teams. Um, but for marketing reasons, for pictures, it's much nicer if you have a Man United top, a Liverpool top, a Man City, Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea, and a representative from each club um, standing in a photo saying Super Six than it does if you just have top two. It's easier to market. Um, even this season, they had Barkley in that. And I was like, really? <laughs> is Barkley should be standing alongside Pogba? Really now? Is that, yeah. is that, our, is that our marketing guy, Sky Sports, <laughs> really? So it just goes to show, it's just marketing, really. Um, they've got it into everyone's head that when the season starts, six clubs can challenge. When have Tottenham ever won a league title? I've never been alive for it. They're, they're never involved. When are, when are Arsenal ever seriously in a league title challenge since since the Invincible season? Never. They, they say, like, at the, I don't know what you think, Luca, but at the start of every season, they go, Premier League's the strongest league. Uh, every team can beat every team. And you just think, yeah, but Wolves might be able to beat Chelsea. Wolves might be able to beat Man United. But Wolves are never going to consistently put together a run that even gets them into the top four. No, we need fans. Fans, I'm not saying we're the same as these guys that say oh, we're the best league in the world, but they need to get off their high horse a bit and be a bit more realistic because times are certainly changing, and I think that the dominance of Liverpool and Man City certainly proved that. Especially Man City, like the money that they've spent, they've spent it so well, and they they've got the best manager in the world. Is he the best manager? I think he's probably still the best manager in the world. They know what they're doing, and I don't think they're light years up them and Liverpool are probably light years ahead of most teams in the Premier League so it's not as much of a a big race as it was before so I think people just need to get like back to reality a bit and think oh let's look at the other leagues because maybe they're starting to be a bit more competitive than the Premier League I think it's all I think it's mostly to do with the money as well not saying that Bayern haven't spent tons and tons of money but it's like uh yeah we're not the most we're not the most competitive league in the world anymore I don't think I think you're going to have to look somewhere more like the Bundesliga. Probably the Bundesliga is the most competitive because we're certainly not. We're not at that level anymore where we once were. 
And I just think the the money from the Premier League, broadcast deals, everything like that, the Premier League taxes you talk about, it's just reckless spending and teams without any long-term plan. And other than maybe Barcelona, maybe Real Madrid potentially, who's sort of gone off their wagon a little bit in terms of having a plan, teams in Germany are all set up like that. They're methodical. Juventus are almost the same. They bring in, they bring through players and they spend money wisely. And teams in England just do not spend money wisely at all, ever. It's so reckless. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, the, stig- the stigma attached is, is something I try to run away from because at the end of the day, we've had our time in the Premier League to be the most entertaining. And as I think now I think now the Bundesliga is more entertaining. I've, been, I've actually enjoyed the matches. Obviously, oh, the atmosphere has been a little bit washed-ish. Um, the atmosphere has been a little bit disappointing. But apart from that, not really a problem. Like the football on display, Dortmund versus Bayern was very good. So um, it's, it's really just whatever way your eyes want to look at it. If you're looking at it through bias, Premier League bias, or you're not. Um, but the football on display has been has been really good. You know, they didn't really take their chances in that match, but in the build-up play, it was it was really good um, lesson on how to build up out of a press. Yeah, the, the technical play is at the top end of of, of those teams uh, is sensational. Uh, you got anything more football related to ask, Luca? Uh, no, but as a side note, uh, well, a side question, I should say. Whenever I'm on Twitter, I'm always looking at lots of different fan accounts, and they're they're some of them are lots of times seeking for attention. Like I see so many like tier lists. Do you remember that one I sent to you, Tom? And like I thought about getting involved, but then I just thought, no, it's probably not worth it because it was the most ridiculous tier list I think I've ever seen. It was like rating the midfielders of all the Premier League, and like they put Cater above the likes of Jorginho and Kovacic and that. And I was thinking, oh, that's just not right, is it? And I it's thought like, about getting involved, and I was like, like no. The, it's like the Drogba, uh, the Drogba debate, which we won't get into now, but it's that sort of thing that we're talking about. Yeah, and I was thinking, when I see, like you, Matisse, on different accounts trying to sort of take the mick out of people, the replies that I see are absolutely fantastic, and they just make me chuckle. So I was just wondering, how quickly does it take you to come up with these replies? Because they're perfect, because most of the time you don't even get a response back from them, which shows that you've completely shut them down, clearly. Um, it's funny, yeah. The, the, one, the one thing with Twitter is that um, my tweets and my, my replies, I don't... I just I don't really take a long time to think about them. A lot of people, a lot of my friends will like draft and takes them days or hours to think of something. And we need to compile this big tweet. And how does this work? And asking for advice for me. I just I don't know. I'm in that football culture of just slagging, slagging off other teams like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. So I've got um, a certain tone in my tweets as well. When it comes to re- when it comes to rebutting a rival and quoting them, I've got a certain tone of rudeness, um, and it just it always it, it, I can always use it. So, to be honest, doesn't take me very long. I just I, I'm just good with my words that way. That's like one of my very few talents as I have. I can be good with my words. Um, so in terms of rebut rebuttals, it's quite easy to be honest because most of the time there's a loophole um in 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 the in the debate there's usually something you could dig at them even a liverpool fan the other day um and I've, it's very rare that i beef with liverpool fans especially because of their where they are right now but they were they were getting really confident with me and obviously like oh you guys are arguing over who won the europa league between chelsea and arsenal um last year and we've just won the champions league i was like literally bro 
a couple of years ago you had Paul Koncheski at left back. I didn't hear anything from you. <laughs> now now you're all loud. It doesn't make sense. Um, just be humble. And then his reply was just like, yeah, please do not remind me of those dark days. Thanks. <laughs> that, that's that's good. That like, I mean, to put someone in a position where they don't even reply, like, oh, who's even talking about that? And he literally just goes, right, we think I'm done. That, that, you finished me off, man. It's, it's Liverpool fans. Honestly, they you they they do forget that they had Paul Konchesky, um, a finished Joe Cole, um, like they cite Lambert, Andy Carroll. They forget oh, these days. I I don't forget. I remember that team very well. Um, and Roy Hodgson in the dugout. Oh man. Yeah, it was good times. Nathaniel Klein bombing up and down the right wing. I mean, we didn't have fantastic team. I mean, we used to we used, we lost to Liverpool so much. We didn't. Crazy. We didn't. But the one thing you can always use against Liverpool is the league title. Glenn Johnson and Maxi Rodriguez, and we lost at home in 2011. Yeah, I remember that. I think it was such a bad Liverpool team, and we still lost them. The the one player that we used to come up against, I used to hate playing, was Dirk Hout. Um, Everyone always watched Torres because he always scored against us, but Dirk Hout was an absolute arsehole. Him and um, Chikorito at Man United were my two players that I hated coming up against. Yeah, um, because they were just nuisances. And the thing is, they could have the, the the worst game and look like absolute average ballers, but when it came down to in front of the goal, they just scored always every time. Uh, mm. Luis Suarez was a baller, but I I remember being sat there watching the game when he bit Ivanovic, and we played so well that game. Uh, I think what we two one up or one nil up, Hazard had scored a penalty, and. It was just like Suarez had done nothing all game. He bites him. You're just like, right, he's literally in Ivanovic's back pocket and then he scores at the end. You're just like, oh, no. Oh, what's happened? Mm. And, oh, Liverpool. Oh, I just hate just hate them with a passion. Also, a... What, also, what confuses me on Twitter is Arsenal's Arsenal fans, his obsession with Chelsea. Have you seen how many times they've tried to get under our skin? Somehow. It's an absolute uh, me, me, Hale. Um, I don't know if you know CFC Hale. Um Good friends of him, Lewis, obviously from Boost Fans TV, and then CFC Daily as well, who I've never met, um, but I know he goes to the games. Um, we, we've taken it upon ourselves to just never let slander touch this club again uh, when it comes to Arsenal fans. I just, I just can't, I can't deal with the fact, I can't deal with Arsenal, Arsenal like fans slandering us. It's just not something I'm going to tolerate. It's like, it's, it's one of those things where they're so in the mud as a football club where they've got a fan channel that is literally more entertaining than the than the game itself. You know, more people want to watch troops than watch their own team play. Yeah. And it's like I just can't I can't have it from them. And they're yeah. so they're just so annoying, you know, the Drogba versus Lacazette comparison, Drogba versus Bamian comparison. This is a player who literally shit on their crest every time he played against them. And not just in a Chelsea shirt. I took liberty to bring up to just disregard all the chelsea stats because they were well known he's actually scored against them for i don't know if you saw this tweet but i had i had to put it out he scored against them more um for the mls all-stars and galatasaray as abamyang has scored against chelsea he scored against them three times for those two clubs with his bald head with his walking stick and (laughs) Abamyang scored against us twice, I believe. And and when I brought that stat out, I was just like, this really, this conversation should never be spoken of again. I mean, um, it's just uh, ridiculous. It's, it's funny, though. Yeah, it's, it's entertaining, for sure. They really it is. Are everywhere. And the amount of times that I sit there and 
I'm about to write out a tweet and I just go, it's just not worth it. I'll mm. leave them to enjoy their happiness because look at the state of their football club, man. Oh, it's just it's... funny. I mean, even their, even Wenger's a thousandth game, I mean, if that didn't make it clear enough, then I don't <laughs> will. I mean, you got that four, you got that six nil win, you got the four one in the biggest game of their their last decade, trying to get into the Champions League. When we already had Champions League qualification, we were just trying to have a farewell party for Hazard and Sarri. Everything Nothing. about that final was brilliant. Oh, the build up, I mean, it was so yeah. We literally turned up in suits, Hazard there high-fiving the doorman, Sari puffing his cigar. We've got nothing really to play for because we've got Champions League football. We won the Europa League before. It's just, it's really just a, just a farewell party for everyone to say goodbye. Gary Cahill as well, Robert Green. Arsenal come in blood, sweat and twit tears. You've got DT and troops who've travelled away from their families, their homes and comforts all the way out to Baku to, to sit down and watch this game. You've got Champions League qualification on the line, and they've they've been slapped like battered them. Even with our prep, <laughs> even with the preparation, Higuain, Higuain and David Higuain got into a fight as well. Higuain's bust up literally because why not? Awful preparation, but we still battered them. It was it really was <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> One moment that stands out to me during the trophy celebration is when uh, Rob uh, Ed Nazar was on Rob Green's shoulders dancing, and I just thought. Oh, we've reached we've reached such heights, honestly. I, I love I just love Giroud's thank you Arsenal on the bus. I mean, it doesn't really get any worse than that. You know? A striker that really it's just it's just you know what I mean? Like it's just, just the fact that he's scored, taking the piss out of them, it's just and then you've got agent checking goal as well. It's it's it's, it's all very beautiful. I think the following week he was back at our club again as director. I mean it's just there's really so many are, avenues you can go at them with. I mean, they are, they are literally the bottom of our shoe. I mean, that. You've got everything. You've got Cole, you've got Fabregas, you've got Giroud. I mean, I beg we got a Bamiang and he just sits on the bench. Like, I couldn't the best thing that. about it is that they've taken on, they've taken our players when they're declining. They've taken Petr Cech, um, who really just wanted to stay in London as well. David Luiz, who's become a class clown for them. Um, it's just, it really is, it's lovely. You know, Galas, they took him and then he started crying um, when they fell out of the title race. It's just it really is brilliant. Tottenham and Arsenal are actually going to be battling over Willian. It's just... I mean, do you know what? Any of them can have him. I don't mind. It really is just... I will pay. Chelsea can pay them to have Willian. Yeah, I, I, I think he sounds like... I expect him to go to Tottenham, but it sounds like he's going to go to Arsenal from what every credible journalist is saying. So it'll be interesting. I mean... Right, I think that that's just the best way to end it. My season's <laughs> been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. I mean, so good, I was yeah. just thinking Thank about you. how to sort of like um, promote this tweet, and I've written down the Gucci belt. I've written down firm <laughs> on the timeline, and I've written down Drogba shitting on Arsenal's crest. It's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, boys. Thanks for having me on. Thank um, you. It's, it's, it's been great like I said I love coming on pods especially ones I haven't been on before I've been I've been doing a rotation of the same ones it's been getting a bit boring so I had to tell Dami no more I'm going somewhere new <laughs> uh, you've given us so much insight into German football into oh, into everything to be honest you've been, yeah, honestly you've been brilliant so much for coming on not a, not a problem boys thank you so much stay safe thank you very much thank you